0: press brought to you by geek vibes nation i'm your host nick smith and joining me tonight
1: on the other line is luke alves what up luke not much man just uh you know enjoying this crazy playoffs um really slept on myself picked hard and uh had him in seven we, we but, both did <laughs> but i mean like i said when i picked it you know they could sweep, but I know my team, and they like to bring teams to Game Seven a bunch, so that's why I won't do that. But hey, so far so good, and uh, you know, playoffs have been pretty fun.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, but before we jump into the playoffs, we gotta take a minute to talk about the shit show that is Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns, um, after a report like I want to say sometime late last week that they currently. Um, I don't want to mischaracterize the report, but they are um, apparently more keen on getting Ja Morant than Zion. Um, and I guess that in a vacuum makes sense. I mean, he's a he's a point guard. They need a point guard. Um, but anyway, still a, a report you don't want to get out. Um, you don't want other, other teams to know what you're thinking as far as that's concerned. Um, and then – You know, uh, we got the news last night that they uh, fired head coach Igor Kokoskov. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, I've only had a year to learn it. Um, But, you know, (laughs) Phoenix hasn't really been relevant, so I haven't really felt like I needed to learn it yet. Um, And before they uh, got any sort of relevancy, they fired the man less than a year after they hired him. Um, They still don't have, uh, like, a a permanent GM in place. What the fuck's going on with Phoenix,
1: Luke? Yeah, man, it's an absolute disaster. I mean, I've been saying it for years now. It starts from the top, and they have probably – there's a couple other owners that should be happy that they exist, like, for competing for the worst worst owners for NBA fans. But, yeah, Suns owner is just terrible. I mean, makes just really bad – I don't think really, like, he doesn't really think on his decisions. He's just very indecisive and just goes with some terrible choices. I mean, they fire their GM on October 8th, and it's just, like, Ryan, and it's just, like, I understand James Jones, this isn't a guy and all that, but, like, what do you expect for your, for like, a coach? And it's not like you've, gone from like, you know, coach for three years, his system didn't work, a coach for two years, his system didn't work and all that. No. Devin Booker, poor guy, has gone through five coaches in five seasons. So it's just like what are you what where is this player development like anything that like you can make signs to you should fire a coach after one year, like, where is this like data, like analytical data that their owner sees because it just – I put it all on him because he's the only consistent person out of that whole organization that you can really point to. And it's just – it's sad. I mean, everything that they did last year. So, uh, with – I think it was Ryan McDonough. uh, It was the um, prior GM. But it was just like you get Igor and, you know, you can't hate on the DeAndre Ayton pick. I mean, he steadily – everyone knew he was going to be a very good offensive player. No one ever worried about that. But his defense was the big question. But if you really look at it throughout the season, he got better, like, throughout the season, like, progressed. So that's, like, a big – like, so, you know, you can't hang your your hat on, like, the pick of DeAndre Ayton. But if you look at what Ryan's choice was to do last summer when he hired Igor before the draft, it's I – mean, you were talking, it's like – well, he's going to draft Luka Doncic because that's his coach. But they don't. And then I think that might have been the rift between the owner and McDonough. And that got him fired at the beginning of this year. And so it's just like now they're making these terrible choices where it's just like, well, that was that guy's guy and not his guy and let him go with his guy and all that. So that it's just a bad choice. I mean, if they – are considering uh, they? I read that they uh, have a second interview with Monty Williams. I do like Monty Williams. I think he could be a good coach. he could be one of those coaches where he hasn't really made it, and some things he's failed. But if you give him a good chance, like you know, with uh, with some young people, I know the Lakers are are high on him. So yeah, he'd be a he'd be a good coach. So that's kind of in the right direction. So like, you, if you make that, you know, you're kind of showing me something, but just the the whole leaking, like, what you led into of, like, John Moran over Zion. I mean, like like I said, I've always been one of those guys that's like, I see position needs, like, very needs over, like, next best, but there's no, like, next best. This is Zion. Like, you don't pass on him. This is like passing on Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant. Like, you just don't, And and it's happened in the past, so learn from some prior mistakes that team have done and just draft a guy. Like, who cares about team needs? You can get a point guard. You could figure that out later on. If you get the number one pick, you just don't pass on that. You don't trade him for anything because, I, like I told you, I don't think there's anything really worth trading for him because sure. there's just so much upside. He's on that rookie contract that's like for. I'll a, go like a, a long time. So his contract's really good. Is just everything about him. So I just, it's hard to find a good trade value that I think worth for him. So I don't think you trade it, but it's just like, why do you leak that out? Like, wh- why is that being leaked out and then you're firing a coach? It just, the Suns never seem to just shock me on the terrible decisions that they do as an organization.
0: Yeah. I mean, it. it it's terrible. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, and my biggest thing here is with the coaching thing: is if you don't have your GM settled yet, and you fire your head coach, but and you're now looking to hire a new head coach with, you know, a guy who doesn't have technically have the GM status. Um, you know, James Jones is is like a Magic Johnson type. He's not really the guy making the decisions. Um, And you haven't committed to the other guy's name escapes me at the moment. Um, So like, where are we here? Like, we're doing everything fucking backwards. It'd be one thing if they had just hired a new GM and he was like, look, I want to take this in a different direction. Like, okay, fine. You know, go with that. Um, But they haven't, they, they still don't have a permanent GM uh, and, and so now they're looking to bring in Monty Williams, who has relationship with both James Jones and the interim GM, and it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you looking to hire a coach? What happens then if you bring in uh, a GM who doesn't like that coach? Then you're looking at firing another coach. Like, it, it's just everything has been mishandled with this organization um, for, you know, really – Better part of uh, of a decade now, and yeah, I don't see it getting any better. Um, you know, as far as the the Luca Ayton thing, I, you know, I don't beat them up too much either. But it's going to be really, really sad if like they end up with the number one pick this year, and they're like, "Man, we just Robert Sarver's like we really need a point guard. We're taking John Morant," and then it's like, "Well, fuck, like." In a different universe, you could have had Luca and Zion on your team to go with Devin Booker instead of Aiton and John ja Morant. <laughs> like, um, that's a that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, and yeah, I mean i i didn't I didn't necessarily think that um, Luca was going to be um, you know, I mean, obviously we all had him on our board at number one. I had Aiden at number two. So it wasn't, you know, the biggest thing for them to, to, you know, in my eyes at the time to drop down, you know, to, to number, uh, to the second best prospect in my opinion at the time, um, especially because they needed a center, but Nick hindsight being what it is, it, it's a bad look. Um, and you know, it, it's, 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 Certainly going to be rough if they end up going with Jaw. Now, granted, there's very slim chance—only 14% chance—they get the number one pick. Um, But you know, if they do, and they take Jaw or take Zion and try to trade him to down to get Jaw, it's you better fucking be praying that Jaw Morant becomes a Hall of Famer, like multi-time All Star, has that you know. Uh, uh all NBA potential um, because that's the only way that you can give up Zion like for positional fit. It, and like you said, Luke, I just don't know that you can hang your hat on John Morant being that, um, like you know, especially without having seen him go up against um, uh, like top collegiate competition, game in, game out, uh you know throughout the whole season uh it, it's just it's a, it's a it, I, I would be if i were a suns fan i would be very trepidatious um at trusting anything that robert sarver does um you know w- with his management of this team um and especially after the uh uh kevin Arnovitz uh, uh article that we covered you know about a month or so ago um it just keeps the story like just keeps adding more and more shit onto it. Um, it's just a really, really bad look. I mean, I hope they get it together. I hope they, you know, can figure things out, but it just doesn't look like it's trending in the right direction. Um, anything you want to add before we move on?
1: Nah, I mean, I just, I feel for the <laughs> Suns rough. fans. I just, I, I yeah. feel for them so bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rough. And
0: it, uh, I guess the one other thing that I would say is the Suns have traditionally been teams to get um free agent meetings. Um you know, even even you know a, a, as recent as, you know, getting the um the meeting with Blake Griffin uh a couple years back, LaMarcus Aldridge um even a f- few more years back and you know, they've been able to get um you know, some big names uh you know, like Steve Nash. Um uh they were they were obviously able to within within the foundation of a trade get Charles Barkley. Um but I mean he was happy in Phoenix but by all accounts uh you know during those first few seasons. Um they they just don't have any sort of draw like that anymore either. Um like and so that's another thing that really sucks for them, like to have been in position to get meetings with top free agents and then you now you are where you are, where you're like, well, can we overpay a restricted free agent this summer? Um, you know, and you know, can we afford to do that? Are we going to have to match a big offer on Kelly Oubre? Um, like who do we draft? Uh, it's, it's to, to like fit this team that again is just not very good defensively. Um, Your two best cornerstones are not defensive players, and one of them is center. That's tough. Um, So, yeah, it's just a lot of questions up in the air. And as much young talent as they have, um, I just wonder if they're really going to be able to um, find the right combination of people uh, to um, put everything together. Um, I I just don't know. It's not looking good. But let's move on to uh, some playoff talk. Uh, I want to start with Milwaukee versus Detroit. Um, Milwaukee just stomped the shit out of Detroit. No surprise here. We both called a sweep here. Um, I don't think it really would have mattered if Blake played, you know, in all these games. Uh, It it wouldn't have made a difference in my opinion. Um, Detroit did kind of – put up a fight in game four for a little bit of the game, but I mean, Milwaukee took it over, I think midway through the third quarter and then just stepped on the gas and never looked back. Um, I mean, they were just outmatched there. There was um, no universe in which Detroit was going to beat Milwaukee. Um, and you know that's just all it was. Um, Detroit's going to have a, a, an interesting off season to try and see what direction they go. Um, as far as do they keep both Blake and Drummond, um, where do they look at to get some more wing help? Um, cause obviously they, they don't have, um, they don't have the cap space, uh, to be able to, to really go after, uh, some quality wing depth, um, multiple, multiple players anyway, can maybe get one with, with a mid level, um. And, you know, so what do they do in the draft? And, you know, do they contemplate maybe trying to package a couple of those those expiring contracts in the number 15 pick um, to get, you know, somebody who they think is going to be uh, the right fit for them, uh, whether it be at point guard, you know, in in the sense of like a Mike Conley uh, swapping him out for Reggie Jackson or getting the right wing player. A lot of questions up in the air for Detroit. Um, What did you think about this series, obviously, with it playing out exactly like we thought, and and what do you look at for Detroit moving forward? Do you see a a reasonable path for them to become a quality playoff team and not just a first-round exit playoff team, um, borderline playoff team? Um, Or do you think maybe they should look at, you know, stripping it down – and at least, you know, moving one of Blake and Drummond to try and, um, you know, figure out something as far as uh, taking at least taking the next step of becoming, you know, like a respectable playoff team.
1: No, I mean, first off, is I don't understand why they played Blake Griffin. I mean, your first two games, you're just getting stomped. I mean, I guess playing him in front of your crowd, but he looked terrible out there. He was so slow. You could tell he was in that whole knee was beyond wrap. Like, I don't even think it could really move. And he just looked terrible out there. One play last game, uh, he got to, like, the steal and all that. And he went to, like, bring up the ball, like, on the fast break. And Giannis just caught him in, like, one step. Like, it was just, like, (laughs) there was was no, like, speed of, like, burst in, in Blake. So, it just was, like, why are you playing him? Are you going to injure him more? Like, was it really worth, I guess, to play, play him in front of your fans, even though, like you said, I mean, they got stomped every game. The the last game, they made it interesting. I mean, Wayne Ellington got, uh, like, you know, started. He, I want to say, scored the first seven points, so he looked really good. He was definitely getting engaged. So that, that was what was helping him out right there. Um, you knew Drummond was going to have a, the match the whole time, but I mean, he didn't do as bad as I thought. I mean, you don't have Blake, so you're having to take the whole load of just Giannis just coming to do whatever he whatever he wants. So you got to kind of right. pick and choose what you're doing. In game one, he you know he he got in that trouble, so I, he didn't do so bad. But um, Detroit's in a in a weird situation because they are just so like cap strung like they just have so much money invested in some. Some bad contracts and some not-so-bad ones. I mean, uh, I don't think you can trade Blake, even though he was the East. He made it to the playoffs, you know, this this year. But um, his injury, is he going to have to, like, is it with a major? Is he going to get, like, little, like, you know, touch-up surgeries or something in the summer? Because, you know, Blake's always been injured, so he's never been, like, consistently healthy. So I think you keep him, but... I mean, I'd love it if they got Conley. I mean, he'd be a good fit, even if they kept Drummond and Blake and try to figure it out one more year with them and try to retain Ellington. So now you have some decent wing and do something else at the shooting guard. So there is some pieces like you could, like directions you can go, but I don't know if they're able to get there because there's other teams that might be able to put in a better package. Would you want to take on bad contracts like Jackson? So. That's what's going to make it tricky for Detroit to become. At least
0: Jackson's I don't know. expiring. Like that—that's the thing. I think they could put together a reasonably good package because if you take the number fifteen pick, and then Jackson's expiring, um, and uh, John Lewis expiring, and Lynx Galloway are expiring, so you would, you could put together three expiring contracts um, and a, a number fifteen pick. If if I'm Memphis like I'm looking at that like all right well we get all expiring contracts we get the number 15 pick and we get a guy in Reggie Jackson who we can at least trot out for a year and play it at the as the starting point guard there's that's not a terrible offer
1: I mean yeah it's not terrible but I mean there could be some better things that you might be able to get out there we don't know like Conley is like right. what his market is right now, you know, what teams want to well, do. You
0: could, you could potentially take you back get...
1: less salary from
0: a team like Indiana or Utah um, simply because they have more open salary to work with. So they don't have to match salary per se. Um, so they could send you back a little bit less. Um, so maybe you value – you don't have to get as good of a draft pick, but you get back maybe a – a player that you actually like, and then you don't have to take back as much salary.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, you could definitely, I mean, Dante Exum might not be that bad if you get, I mean, so I mean, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Bad. Not, never...
0: not high on my list, but, um, he was, yeah. uh, but I mean, he's, he's always had the injury concerns and, um, I don't know, like, not super high on Exum, but I was thinking more a la like like, um, Holiday um, from the Pacers. Like, if I could get Holiday and a draft pick, um, you know, and, you know, um, I don't have to take back so much salary, um, maybe that's something I'm interested in.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, they – it's definitely going to be interesting for Detroit, just because, like you said, I mean, they're just a lot of the they were just invested in some high cap like contracts. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely I like the Blake thing with him running kind of the offense. I mean, I liked it. It was just you know he was injured, so he couldn't do that in the playoffs, and I just right. I just didn't see the point of playing. I mean, he just really looked terrible out there. Yeah yeah i
0: mean he he definitely did um and yeah I mean, I guess maybe you know you're trying to get one win one game at home, um, but you know you're not gonna win the series, and um you know it it's you definitely don't want Blake to you know get hurt going into the off season, regardless if it's you know you know the the whole thing with uh dwayne Casey saying well, he can't really hurt his knee anymore, and that seems stupid, like a dumb thing to say. Um but regardless of whether it's that or, or just something else. Like what you know, what if he tears an ACL? What if he uh pulls an Achilles, you know, tears an Achilles, something like that in one of these two games, um at the end of the season when, you know, everything's already been decided. It just didn't make sense. Um and, you know, then you're really super fucked. Um but anyway, uh so it all kind of panned out like we thought. Detroit's going to be in a tough spot this offseason to figure out what they do moving forward. I don't expect them to really do a lot. Um I'm with you. I mean, I think I, I don't I don't think they should trade their pick. I mean, number 15, there's going to be plenty of wing players available there. Um I would be looking at drafting that and then um you know, then trying to see what I could shake out as far as moving one of Drummond and Blake. Um what I could get back for one of those players. Um, But other than that, like, I don't know. I'm not terribly interested um, in in taking a big swing on a guy like Conley if I have to give up my pick Um, because they're they're already kind of thin. Yeah, they got canard. um, But other than that, they don't really have a lot of young players. I like Brown, um, solid defender, um, but I'm not sure, you know, where he – fits on that team um so you know there's there's that as well um and you know you just don't have really any other young talent so you you can't really afford to give it up you don't want to you don't want to be uh you don't want to put yourself in the new orleans pelicans position where they have no young assets no young talent um and then you know aren't that good either (laughs) um you uh, you only want to do that if you're actually going to be good and you're actually going to be a contender, a la like a golden state or a Houston. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, but let's move on to your Boston Celtics. Uh, we're able to sweep the Indiana Pacers. I think you had it in seven. I had it in six. So I want to start with this. Did we underestimate Boston or did we overestimate Indiana? Right. I, I, I won't both.
1: I know both, but like, it, like,
0: which do you lean more towards uh, it personally here?
1: I think uh, I'm going to go with the Boston side on, um, we really were trying to like uh for the smart injury for Marcus Smart being hurt. Yeah. Me, I think we, you know, we thought that was going to be a big, big effect to them defensively. You know, he helps the team. He's definitely the smart plug and all that. And, and in Indiana in the regular season, even after Oladipo's injury, they still played us really well. So it's like, what were they going to do? So I think we overestimated how much his injury because what it really did, what I didn't see, which I should have noticed, is it. the benefit was from losing Smart is we don't have to give him his minutes. So then we staggered it between Brown, Hayward, and Tatum getting over 30 minutes a game, and you see – what happens when you mm-hmm. be, are able to play. And even Rozier getting and, some better minutes. Yeah, so it, I think that's what we um, like. We overvalued was losing Smart because, yes, he's a great player and all that. And, like, next series we might see it a little bit more with, uh, you know, like defensively matching up against Middleton and all that. But um, just his minutes being able to be, de- like, distributed elsewhere very benefited for the players the you know, for everyone. And – and then again, I mean, Indiana just, uh, they did a lot of things that they didn't understand. Um, they went with Wesley Matthews a lot, like a lot of shootings from him, and I just didn't really, I mean, even when he signed there, I wasn't expecting him after the injury to be Depot offensively, maybe like the third option and all that, but um, Sabonis really wasn't, I mean, having to go in, so he wasn't the greatest and all that, so kind of put more, like, you know Matthew's hands to do a lot more shooting. So,
0: and then yeah, what and worked Donovan
1: was kind of MIA. I mean, he yeah, just was, he was not there. effective. Yeah, he he was very yeah. hit or miss and all that. So, but but what was really worked for them and was very very effective was Tyreek Evans killed us, man. When they cleared that out and they it's just funny. gave it to him, he was just murdering us. And you know what happened? They decided not to go with that. Throughout the game, like even in Game Four, I was just like, "Okay, this is really working. Like, just stick with this." Just he's obviously the only one that understands how to get his bucket right now, and they just kind of diverted away from that and they sat him. And I was just like, "I don't know what Indiana's doing, but I if, there's a lot of things that like, you know that could have went their way if they just would have just done done some things better." Just like, you know, some players just didn't have the series. And then, like I said, just the, the minutes getting more increase for for Hayward, Brown, and Tatum, very help. Like, it just, it, it's it's a big thing right now for the game because, I mean, they all had good series. I mean, Hayward and Tatum shot from the three over 45% from the three. So, that's a really yeah. good end. And Hayward just... I don't know, He's. he's I've been great. talking about, he's, he's finally figured it, he's got it all back. I mean, he had that one play where he just took it to the bucket, he absorbed the full contact from Evan Turner, and bounced off and was able to do an and one, and I was just like, yeah, this yeah. is the guy that played for Utah, the reason that we signed yeah. this contract, like, this is it. He does not uh, mind yeah. taking contact, and he can, he'll he get to the line, and that's what I really like about Hayward, he'll get to he knows how to get to the free throw line. He's not scared to make contact, and I feel like he, mm-hmm. you know, he's finally got full faith in, in uh, his game. It's finally back mentally and I think physically. So that was just a you know a lot of the things that he you know he was able to do with a uh, the minute increase was uh, beneficial, and it'll be interesting next year's with the Bucks. I mean, that this series Hayward and Brown shared the the defensive duty against, Babon, I mean, um, yeah, Vavanovic. And um, now they're going to have to do it against Middleton because hey, Horford's going to be doing trying to do his thing against Giannis. but I'm worried about Middleton, who's covering him in the end. So if Brown and Hayward can keep it up and split this, um, we might, you know, have a good fighting chance.
0: Yeah, um, I was super, super impressed with Hayward. And the thing that I really like about Hayward is, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things, but the one thing that I really like about him is the way that Stevens uses him as a, as like a shot creator, um, like secondary to Kyrie. Um, it's kind of the same thing that Brett Brown has been doing with Jimmy Butler. And so TJ McConnell has not been getting big minutes, Um, Those those kind of backup point guard minutes have been going to Jimmy Butler, and I think that's been very effective for them. Um, And they've been doing that similarly in Boston. I love putting Hayward in that position um, because that is one of the added elements to his game, and and, and putting him in that spot kind of further helps him to be successful because he is a really, really good – ball distributor. Um, he makes smart decisions. Um, he's a, he's a very much a better than average passer. Um, he is, um, athletic enough. Uh, and like you said, he's, he's seems like at this point, he's not afraid to take the contact anymore. Um, and he, and he just plays so so great off ball too. I think partly because he knows what he wants to see when he's playing on ball and so that kind of helps him. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw him get a shot, you know, right underneath the the basket because you know, he, his his defender just fell asleep and he snuck right to the hoop and then just got easy two-point baskets. Um I I'm I'm in, I'm in agreement with you here. I think we um I I do think we overestimated uh uh Indiana, but I would also lean like you, towards we underestimated Boston. Um, I, you know, I, I, think a lot of that was going was again with the Marcus Smart injury, um, but I think a lot of it too for me personally was just because they've had such a lackluster season. Um, it, it's just forgetting, like essentially, just how good uh, or how talented this team is, and you know, now that that Brad Stevens you know has kind of has their full attention and you know they're in the playoffs they're playing meaningful basketball again um and Hayward you know seems to finally be um coming on he's kind of had this steady um this steady uh rise for what about the last month of the regular season I would say um and we're seeing it in in playoff basketball now and yeah I mean it just it looks fucking terrific um but you're right. The big test is going to be Milwaukee. Um, Giannis is going to get his. You're not going to be able to contain him. So it's basically can you can you throw enough people at Middleton to make him ineffective? Um, can, without Marcus Smart, um, do you use Rozier a little more to try and um, – kind of get in the head of Eric Bledsoe, like he was able to do last year. I think that'll be interesting to see um, how Stevens handles that situation. Um, And because, I mean, make no mistake, Bledsoe's been a lot better this year than he was last year, Um, like throughout all of last year, not even just talking about the playoffs, just in general. Um, So I think he's obviously going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I don't think – Middleton is a, is kind of a question mark to me because I think he was playing out of his fucking mind last uh, against you guys last year, and I don't expect him to play quite on that level, but I also expect everybody else around them to be more effective. Um, I don't really worry too much about, um, you know, their, like uh, Lopez um, or, or Miritich because, I, you know, I'm pretty confident in, in Horford's ability to – um, be able to float when necessary to make smart basketball decisions um, to double Giannis when, when the time presents itself to do so. Um, but that being said, like they're still going to get open shots because you can't just let Giannis go to the basket every time. Um, and they they are reliable shooters. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fucking great, great series. Um, so with that being said, um, let 's give our predictions for the series as as much as I fucking love the bucks and want them to win this series i I, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment with the way that boston's been able to tie things together um, but I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Boston it just if if nothing else in the sense of. Um, you know, Milwaukee still has to prove it, um, and uh, you know, I'm just not sure if they can, uh, if, I don't, I'm not sure if this is the year that they, they do it, um, but I can't ignore, I, I, I can't be too much of a prisoner of the moment, and I gotta remember how great Milwaukee has been all fucking season. I think it's gonna go seven. I'm gonna take Milwaukee at seven, but I do not feel fucking good about it <laughs> what's your thoughts i
1: don't know i mean i I completely understand like the whole evaluation i mean it's a tough one and uh i'm gonna give mine quick just so i can explain it and i'm not i'm not just trying to be that arrogant celtics fan but i'm choosing them in six but here's my reasoning and then i'll go more into r- real quick why it's in sure. six because i don't think we can take it to seven and and get that final game on the road against Milwaukee, you know, they just finally won their first playoff game, like, in the the long, I mean, series, so it's just like if they had the chance right. to go now to the Eastern Conference, the whole atmosphere and all that, I just think it'd be hard to win on the road then. I think if we're going to get it done, we have to get it done within six, so we got to win quick and then do our job at, at home, so that's why, but there's a lot of things that I think that we can do. I mean, um, Bledsoe has had a really good year, but I think if we a lot of teams weren't playing I mean it's different when you play in the playoffs but I think a lot of teams were playing in the half court and facing him up and all that and really getting into him and I think that if, if I know Stevens you know he's he's a smart coach he's definitely going to change that up I mean Kyrie played really good defensively um last yeah, series I mean correct. definitely showed me a a lot of things I mean was blocking people and all that so him and Rozier switching off of him would be good and I think what's the big thing that's going to hurt him is uh, Brogdon being injured yeah. I mean he's always been that kind of like that weird whenever we play them too like whenever they needed a bucket or to be calmed down he's always seems to be in that right place and do it for them so I think that might be a bigger miss than us losing not having smart in this series um,
0: Yeah, play, um,
1: like like we said earlier I mean Giannis is gonna to get to do his thing, but you're gonna to have to let him do his thing. I think this the what you were saying is like what Horford can do in the switch offs and all that and help control the team. I mean he's really just showing how valuable again he is i mean he's just really good in the playoffs he gets in the zone we play way better as a team um he's he just knows how to run a like run the defense and run the team out there and and all that and manage so I just think he if, if he can be able to, you know, help off and um, sometimes to, like, you know, to Middleton and all that or close out on uh, Irsan you or, or Lopez shooting the three. So I'm worrying about those other players, just trying to stop them. But my big thing, too, is for the um, Celtics, the person that could make them lose the series is Marcus Morris. I'm done with the man. He's just not good. He he's all right defensively. I hope he can show me more, but he's been really just like the the big stick in just like everything, dude. Like every time he gets the ball in an offense, it, it, it sticks to him. It stops like moving and all that. And and the I want to say it was game two or three. He went zero for twelve, and down the stretch he still was shooting. And I was like, dude, just stop just give it to someone else. I'm done with you, man. So he's my like X factor. If he can have a decent series and all that, we could definitely make the 10 and six. But if it, if it came down that we lost in seven, I I'm going to put, I'm, I'm going to already foresee that Morris had a lot to do with it. Interesting. Um, yeah, he's,
0: he's been up and down through the latter half of the season. I mean, he was great at the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah i mean certainly um it, it's it's taking a step back as the season is going on um and definitely you know i mean definitely a guy that um is probably not in the long term plans for boston um so I, I just feel like that when you're on a an, on an expiring deal especially when you're not confident that you're going to be on that same team the next season maybe you try a little harder to get yours um and, and don't play within the team construct. I haven't I haven't glued in on him, probably like you have, um, watching all four of these games, you know, very, very closely. Um but I could see that just as a as a like as a thing that happens, um, kind of playing out here. Um but uh but yeah, um I, I think it's gonna be a really interesting series. I just checked Brockman... um they don't. They still don't. They're hoping in the next couple of days to have a better um, timetable for when he's going to be back. Um, definitely don't expect him to be back by the start of the series. Um, but I do think it's possible that he could be back um, somewhere, you know, in this series. Um, so that'll be interesting to follow if if he can get back on the court, um, you know, in time to, you know, maybe help them win you know, a game four on the road when they're down two one or something like that. Um, if they need him and if they'll be available. Um so yeah, that'll be another thing to kind of monitor for this series. But I do agree with you. I think Brogdon I think not having Brogdon hurts them more than you guys not having um Smart. Um not that, you know I, I don't necessarily like you don't think that Brogdon's like better than smart. They're just different, mean different things to their team. Um, And the fact that Boston already has so much depth, whereas Milwaukee doesn't have that depth, you know, in, in the backcourt, like that's what makes it kind of tough for them. Um, And, and I, I will be interested to see um, how often coach Bud, goes to um, goes to a, a, a bigger lineup uh, since Boston likes to play Horford at the four at times um, and, and Baines, along with Baines. Um, do you consider going with Lopez, Miritich, playing Giannis at the three, Middleton at the two, um, and then Bledsoe at the one? I might look at that and, and think that there's some reason to do that, um, you know, simply because you would have – so much stretch ability, um, you can still kind of match the size, um, you know, by doing that. Match match Boston's size, um, and then if you have Giannis basically playing the three, um, and, and essentially, you know, being able to um, being able to, to kind of guard Hayward, um, then it's just like, all right, well, I, if we're gonna lose this game, it's gonna be Kyrie who beats us, who can totally beat you. Um, But if you can kind of shut down Hayward a little bit or Tatum um, by putting Giannis on them defensively, um, that would be very interesting. What do you think about that?
1: Um, It's very interesting, but I don't think it would work for them. They end up being kind of too slow, um, if you ask me, because we were running a, a lineup of Horford at the five, Tatum, Hayward, Brown, Irving, so I feel like we would match that would be our line, and I just feel like in the end our speed would get you. I Uh, mean, we're we're going to be a lot faster. I'm not saying against that lineup. I'm saying when
0: Baines is in. Like, to to counter the Baines-Horford lineup, because, like, yeah,
1: you definitely couldn't play that lineup
0: when Horford's at the size.
1: Yeah, but, but, uh, I mean, first, yeah, uh, against the Baines lineup, maybe, but I still think... um, you're clogging the lane for Giannis where I just would want to just keep it as small as I can to have more See, room for him. See, but I don't think you to...
0: are. I don't think you are because, I mean, Miritich and and, um, and um, Lopez both stretch the floor. Um, and then, you know, you've got Middleton who stretches the floor. Bledsoe doesn't, but you got to have him out there anyway. Um, I I would. He can shoot. He's not terrible at, at shooting. He's just not like I wouldn't consider him – a, like, four stretcher. Um, but I honestly think that maybe gives you somewhat of a better look than what your other options, you know, at two would be, um, you know, whether, whether it be Snell or Brown or or, or whoever. Um, if you don't have Brogdon, I don't know. I think that actually maybe gives you a little better floor spacing, um, you know, having, having Miritich and Lopez being, you know, the, the shooters that they are, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're great shooters, and it, it, the space would be good. But, I mean, I, I don't see the Celtics doing it because no professional team. But if you were to play a zone against that, you could definitely just stop that so easy, and then you're clogging the lane for you it at the same time where you're just not really worrying. I mean, you just – I just feel like, you know, a zone against that, like you're just worrying because, I mean, obviously they're just standing at the three-point line because those players can't create their own shot. I mean, not a lot of them, I mean. Middleton right. of those might might be the best. So you're just worrying about them spotting up. So if you were to do zone that, and then you just worry about like having your two defenders kind of clogging the lane and just waiting for Giannis to come do his thing. But no team, no team uh, in the pros does zone. So we we definitely wouldn't see it. But the, <laughs> but the, I mean, if the shooting wise, putting more shooting, better the their best shooting around Giannis uh, when we have Bane could be their best option to. But I think, like I said, the speed. But well, we're still just a little bit faster, even if with Baines out there, than that lineup.
0: Yeah, a little bit, but like I, I just think that it would neutralize Baines' effectiveness. And if you force them to have to go away from Baines to where they can't play him, um, like that's that's definitely an issue. Because, um, like like I said, you know, then you're looking at putting Morris in there more. Um, to get those backup minutes and and things of that nature. Um, And then you're also, like, looking at, like, okay, well, we can't play – you know, we probably can't play Baines and Horford together um, because we take away so much of that speed advantage. Um, I I don't know. I just think it would be interesting. If you could put both of your bigs on either – at either corner three, um, and then have a wide open lane for Giannis with, you know, Bledsoe and Middleton on either of the other sides at the wing. Like, I think it, I think it could work. Uh, I'm like, I'm talking myself into thinking maybe, maybe I'm selling a short on seven games. But then again, we do have to remember, um, you know, Coach Bud is, I, we had this discussion not, not too long ago. I like Coach Bud a lot, but he's still got, um, some proving to do uh, in the postseason. Um, I really do like his odds now that he's got a, a fucking top-tier talent um, to coach. But he's still got a lot of, lot, of, lot he needs to prove. By the way, I just want to say this really quickly before we move on, to I hope that anybody who is, like, trying to, like, hold up that fucking banner for Nate McMillan for Coach of the Year feels as stupid as the people who did last year who voted for Dwayne Casey. Um, Not Nate McMillan and like I no shot at the guy I mean I, I like the guy just fine, but in my opinion like he wasn't even in my top three um for for coach of the year um and I think we kind of saw this play out um Brad Stevens should have been the coach of the year last year and either in my opinion uh it, i still I still have Mike Malone and I think that's that's um going to be interesting to see how far Denver goes and we'll we'll get to their series with the Spurs. Um, but I think either he or coach, Bud um, definitely, definitely better choices than Nathan Miller. Um, so let's just, I'll get off my little high horse now.
1: Um, anything you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I just want to get one more thing to that lineup. So just say we've got the, it's Hayward out there instead of Brown at the two, I mean, even, or, or, or the three, um, who's covering Tatum because he's going to eat a live Mirtage. So are you having Giannis play him or is Giannis trying to cheat off of uh, Hayward defensively to like kind of counteract because that's also where I feel like if Tatum, the way he's kind of been playing and doing the right decisions and kind of been driving, I mean, he might find that mismatch and just completely go, I mean. Middleton's not really going to be able to cover him either, so that was my... No, I think Middleton can cover him. Uh, We'll see. I mean, Middleton's
0: basically the same height as him. Um, I I think Middleton's generally an overrated defender. I don't think he's as good as a a lot of people kind of talk him up to be. Um, But, I mean, I think he's a capable defender. Um, I think he's... I think, honestly, I might even like him like Middleton a little bit more on Tatum than um you know uh, some of the other guys with, with the slightly quicker feet um I, you know I I just it, it is going to be interesting though I think Giannis could definitely guard him Giannis can guard anybody um but you're you're right you do you want to have Giannis in a to you utilize him best do you want to have him stick to somebody and shut somebody down but then open up things for everybody else or do you want to have him be able to float so he can help everybody um it's going to be another thing it's going to be another interesting question um to see you know what what each team kind of figures out that works for them and how the other the coach on the opposite side um you know sort of uh tries to counter that um it's going to be really interesting, man. This is going to be a really fun series. Um, I, I expect, I, I, like I said, I expect it to be a really close series. Um, could end up being like the the, the Celtics-Sixers series last season where all the games were close, even though Boston won it in five. Um, I could see it playing out that way, but I really expect this one to go at least six, maybe seven, Um and it's just to be anybody's game. The the, the, the coaching, uh, I think you got two top-tier coaches here. you got two top-tier talents, and Giannis, and then Kyrie. And you just got a bunch of pieces around those guys that work. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, man. This is going to be a really fucking fun series. Um, quietly, though, um, even though I, I am picking Milwaukee, um, just cause I, like I said, I can't, can't really, I, I feel like I can't turn my back on them now it's just as high as I've been on them all season, how good they've been all season. Um, but, uh, somewhat quietly though, I, I, if, if the Sixers are able to beat the Raptors and we'll get to that, um, uh, I, I kind of want a Sixers Celtics rematch. Like, I just think that would be fucking awesome uh both for the NBA for that rivalry um and like for for what everything means um I, I, and you know I know that Boston's always got Philly's number but if Philly does somehow manage to get past Toronto I, I don't think I don't think there's like a team in that situation that I'd be like yeah I'd rather play them <laughs> like both teams are going to be really fucking hard to play um and you know, like I, I, I think the the fact that Philly's lineup is so different than what it was last season, I kinda would just throw that out the window as far as how they would match up against Boston. Um but like secretly that's what I kinda actually really want to happen. Because <laughs> not to mention the banter that we would get out of it would be fucking terrific. So <laughs> But um but anyway, uh let's move on. Let's we can do a couple series here, they're gonna be quick. Um Golden State and the Clippers. Um, obviously, the Clippers had the big 31-point uh, uh, comeback to win Game Two. That was awesome, but I don't think anybody expected them to win another game after that. Um, maybe you did. I think you. I think you had Golden State in six. I think you picked them to win it in six. Um, but nevertheless. Uh, the Clippers have been playing hard and fighting hard, and you would expect nothing less for Doc Rivers' team. Um, but once you know, once they were able to, you know, kind of pull off that that crazy comeback, um, you're kind of seeing the Warriors locked in now. Um, Kevin Durant, pretty much turning it on. Like, no, we're not doing this. We're not having this. Um, he, he's looked great at the past couple games, um, and so you know, we're just seeing essentially the better team. Um, you know, taking hold of the series uh, like they should be doing. Um, and that's pretty much
1: all I got. Yeah, no, I mean, I did. I think the Clips could have uh, won two games and did choose them, but they needed to win a game at home. And it was just, right, like you said, Kevin Durant has just figured it out. I mean, he's definitely, he's in that playoff mode too where he's just getting to his shot and he's just, I'm like, just unguardable right now. And then when you throw in Clay, what he did at the beginning of the last game, to be able to shoot like that, it's just like any game. So, Golden State's definitely zoned in. Um, I think the big loss for them is um, the Boogie Cousins injury. I mean,
0: yeah, I think it
1: might run into you later on when you're having to play Houston in the next round and you're putting Capella up against you know, I mean, on, Looney. <laughs> Javon Looney, Devon Looney, and uh, what's it say, so and came back from Australia, and but, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's like, com- complete mismatch, I even think Nene will be able to find the, like, have a good game against them, so I think, like, it might come into the, so that's a big loss to them, because, you know, you just, it, you never want to see a player go down and non-contact, and it just, Right when he went down, he instantly knew it was bad. I mean, it just stinks for the guy who just came back from one major injury and is trying to get a contract and out of this. But I think that could hurt them in the next series. But, yeah, like, I think after they blew that 31-point lead, it's just they went into another zone, and and they're going to definitely, you know, handle this and be done with it this next game. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be done in five. Um, but, hey, props
0: to the Clippers on, uh, you know, the greatest comeback in NBA history. And, you know, props to the Clippers on, on having such a great season. Um, I, I do feel kind of like they, you know, obviously a lot of people do, feel like they're the front runner for Kawhi. And, you know, if they get Kawhi, I mean – I, and I know a lot of people are saying, like, two max slots, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, just just fucking get Kawhi and, like, bring back the free agents that you have and, and make, like, one other, like, really nice signing. Like, see, I would be pitching Kawhi on, dude, we'll bring you and your best friend Danny Green in here. Um, we got this really good young point guard in Shea Gildas Alexander. We got Danilo Gallinari who can get buckets. We got, you know, a, a kind of a, a center combo of a – you know, old school center, and then a, you know a rim-running small guy to come off the bench. We got Lou Williams off the bench. We're gonna re-sign Beverly. Um, so we're you know we're rolling with like eight like eight guys deep. Plus we got Shamit, and we got all these draft assets that we can use, um, you know, to build this team. Uh, like I, I think that might actually be the better approach for them um, than you know trying to chase another guy to pair with him. Like just. Like, really sell him on it being his team and these are all the pieces we're going to put around you um, and we're going to be the best team in Los Angeles for the next 10 fucking years um, I, I think that'll be the better selling point for them um, but the Clippers man they got a bright future Look at Lawrence Frank man That that the, the GMing that he did this year um, like just so good I don't expect him to win GM of the year Um you know, but I definitely have him in my top three, and like those top three are all really fucking close. With Masai Ujiri, uh, John Horst, and, and Lawrence Frank, they all have done a fucking magnificent job. Um, but uh, but yeah, Clippers' future looks good despite uh, this series, for all intents and purposes, being over. Uh, but
1: yeah, let's move on. Um, Houston. Hey, I got one more uh, thing though, real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, look in the next series, you know, we're just going to assume to assume each team's going to win it in five now instead of they didn't get the sweep, but it's Houston Golden State. Golden State had trouble keeping up with Lou Williams, being able to do what Lou Williams does. I mean, he's really good at, like, you know, getting his bucket and all that. Do you think they're going to have a hard time now that you have two, basically Lou Williams, because I still think Chris Paul can get to his bucket whenever he wants and I'll I mean, Chris Hall, and then Harden, so I feel like they showed a lot of weaknesses, even though that, you know, they've been beating Clippers and all that. I just find the little matchups and all that, and Lou Williams has been able to just eat you alive. I just, I just think both of those players, especially when you're just playing one out there at a time, and they're just doing what they want, I think Golden State definitely showed that flaw of just, and might come back to bite them now that if the if Rockets can stay healthy and, and you have both the Harden just playing out of his mind and all that. Yeah,
0: um, I think that I, I've only watched a handful of minutes of those games because they're just on so late. Um, but I know Lou Williams, obviously, six-man comes off the bench. I'd be interested to see how how many minutes, he played versus how many minutes um Clay Thompson guarded him and what his numbers were when Clay guarded him versus um anybody else. Um because that's my thing. I think um like I mean I think you really have to rely on Clay to, you know, essentially uh shut down Chris Paul. Um and I say Chris Paul because nobody like there's no point in putting him on Harden. Um like Harden's just gonna hit his backs like um, any hand in his face is the same as the next. I wouldn't even worry about that. I would put Clay Thompson on Chris Paul and say, shut this fucker down. Because um, if we can shut him down and we only have one of them um, to to really worry about, um, then, you know, I, I think it puts us in a really good position, um, you know, to be able to win these games, um, you know. And then, you know, essentially I think you can have – KD, maybe, guard Harden at times. I think you could just throw different people at Harden. You put Steph on him for a little bit, not too much. Throw Iggy out there on him. Throw KD just to give him different looks. But if if I'm the Warriors, I'm like, Clay Thompson, shut Chris Paul down Um, because I think he can do it Um, because he's just so fucking good. Uh, But I don't know. Uh, I I mean, it is interesting. I mean, it's it's, – I mean, I guess easier said than done. But I think the way Thompson plays defense is he's better suited to guard Chris Paul for a whole game and for it to be more effective for your team than trying to guard, uh, you know, basically Harden, who's just
1: unguardable. I don't know. What do you think on that? No, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. You definitely, if you're shutting down one, you need to shut down Chris Paul and you need to put your best defender on him for, you know, the wing defenders, and that's, Thompson and just, it might come back to wear him out a little bit, but it's going to be tough. I mean, I I'm happy that we're getting it next series and not in the West Conference final. Cause I want to see you a, a healthy Houston go up again. And I mean, I, I'm leaning with, I, I've been leaning with Houston. I'm going to stay with Houston.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of Houston, um, they did drop the game last night to Utah, um, I kind of felt that coming just because I mean Utah, um, the guy just didn't feel like they were going to get swept. Um, I, like I just I I thought they were going to win Game Three and then um, you know Harden just somehow turned it on late in that game and just willed his team to victory just despite having such a terrible fucking first like really three quarters of that game. Um, I mean, he just flipped the switch and fucking turned it on and, and, and won that game for them. Um, and that just kind of shows you how much trust that all those guys have in James Harden, um, and rightfully so. I mean, you should at this point. Um, but uh, but they did drop uh, game four. I think they only scored like like 12 or 13 points in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was a bad look. Um, but, I mean, I fully expected him to – take it back to Houston, win game five decisively, and this series will be wrapped up, and then they get to, like we said, go play the Warriors. Um, what are your thoughts on Houston, and are you surprised that Houston has been able to make this series as
1: quick as it's been? Um, I'm not surprised that they uh, – how quick they – because, like I said, I think they're just one of those teams that – them and Toronto were definitely the healthiest and playing, you know – at the right, you know, right time right now in the playoffs to be like, you know, the healthiest and everyone <clears throat> starting to click. So, I wasn't surprised at how fast they were able to do it. Um but I mean, it was it was a good win for the Jazz. I mean, Donovan Mitchell had a great game. The kid's so good. Um he definitely knows how to get it, but I mean, it's like he said in his post-game uh little quick little interview right after the game was the key to their win yesterday was Jay Crowder, and he came out, and he had double-digit points quickly, like, within the first quarter. So that was, like, a big uh, like boost for them and all that. So him being able to play it and taking some of the pressure off of Mitchell in the beginning of the game, I think, helped them. But I don't think they're going to be able to do that in Houston. The fans are going to be definitely not for a side I mean. It's different, you know, playing at home and then on the road, you know, shooting-wise and all that. So I don't see Crowder having that game again. And I don't see another person on the Jazz doing what he was able to do and them to get that win next game. So I think Houston will definitely take care of this. Uh, Harden will probably have another big game. And, uh, yeah, go on to uh, them in Golden State. Yeah, uh, definitely what I expect to happen. All right, so you kind of uh, teased
0: your prediction. Um, how many games do you think it's going to take, though? Obviously, uh, Golden State has a home-court advantage this go-round. Um, so does that mean
1: you're taking Houston in six,
0: or do you think they take it on the road?
1: See, I want to do the same thing with the Celtics, because I feel like it's the same uh, same kind of explanation that If you're winning this, you're not winning it in seven on the road. You're winning in six. So, I'm going to go with Houston six. Gotcha.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm still going to take Golden State in seven. Um, I really thought last year was Houston's year. I picked them to, um, I think, to go all the way. I think to win it all, in fact, Um, going into the – but hey, I also picked Toronto last year, so <laughs> we saw where that got me. Um, but uh, but I I I really thought last year was the year. I thought they were going to beat um, Golden State. Um, I don't think they're ultimately worse than they were last year, though. I think a lot of people have kind of been like, "Yeah, they're like they're just not as good as they were last year," and it's like Paul hasn't been as effective. And, yes, they lost Ariza and they lost Bob Munte. Like, Harkin has just been so much better than he's ever been in his career. And I don't think you can really say that, like, they're not as good as they were last year. I just don't buy that. Um, But I do think – I I don't know I I it's just one of those things where I guess I I just have to see and prove it I, I I honestly feel very much about this series like I do Boston Milwaukee I just don't know it's it's really hard for me to pick um, which is fucking great it makes it fun to watch um, but I'm gonna say Golden State wins it in seven I hope I'm wrong I really hope I'm wrong because um, I would love for Houston to knock their asses out in the in the second round um, and like you know uh, fans of 29 teams in the league would be really happy about that. Um, So uh, hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with my gut on this one. I just think, man, like, KD is a fucking, like, assassin. And, like, when they need him, he's just going to – I feel like he's going to step up and he's going to – like, there's not another player that I'd rather have in in any playoff series than Kevin Durant. Like, he's just – he is a – Own cold fucking assassin. And, like, I I don't know. I just, I feel like when they need, when they really need a bucket, Katie's going to provide it for them. Um, And I think, I mean, that's obviously the X factor. It's been the X factor since he went to Golden State. Um, Like I said, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Harden um, can, you know, be that X factor of the series and be the the guy, um, you know, who, who, ends up winning the series. Um, But I got to see it. I I still got to fucking see it. Um, As of now, I'm still going with KD and going with Golden State. Um, All right, anything else you want to have before we move on?
1: Oh, just going to go real quick. I mean, out of these three bench players, who would you rather have? And this is why I kind of go with more Houston. Would you rather have Rivers, Freed House, or Iguodala, Livingston, and I guess Kevin Looney. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's 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 the, that's the real. That's I mean, he's probably going to be a
0: starter though. So
1: you're probably okay, more Logan? looking at, I guess, I guess that's your eight man rotation. It's the, it's the bench just doesn't scare me anymore. Like it goes, I mean, don't get me wrong, Livingston and Iguodala definitely know, but they've definitely. Aging, and then you know, it can come back. You know, we can finally maybe see like them. But I, I think just feel Iguodala's like Iguodala playing three... better than, than he
0: was last year, though, because he was hurt last
1: year, and he,
0: he was even hurt in that series. Um, so I don't know. I think I think out of all of those players, I would pick Iguodala. But out of the um, out of the collective, if I had to pick a, a collective, a group, I would probably have to lean towards um Houston simply because Livingston's just not the player that he used to be. Um and that's really it. That's really all you got coming off the bench that's really of, of consequential value is those two guys.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I like I I'm kind of favoring Houston. Like even though like you said they they did lose like Mute and um Trevor Reza, I just still feel like they were able to come back and do a lot of things in the middle of the season and got a lot better on their bench, and I think it might come back to that's their X factor in the series.
0: Yeah, and you want to know something funny? I was looking at this recently. I was looking at the assets that Philly has going forward, and I stumbled across something very interesting that I don't think we covered on the show, and I didn't even realize it until I saw it. Um, you know what Daryl Morey got, you know, we just kind of assumed like like him dumping James Ennis was like a, a salary relief, uh, sending him to, to Philadelphia. Dude, he got swap rights to their 2021
1: first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did not even notice that. I he know, did. He's right? a great GM. That was not covered anywhere. I
0: never heard it. I just stumbled across it on Basketball Reference, and I was just like, you got what? For what? Like, Elton, bro, like, you cannot give up. Like, you, you literally are day-to-day, much less season-to-season, on Joe Alvarez's health. You have it up in the air. You don't know if you're going to keep Butler and Tobias Harris. And you give up swap rights to your first round pick for James Fucking Ennis? Like, dude, just throw him like a couple second rounders or something, dude. Like, God, what a fucking steal for Daryl Morey there. I mean, look, it may not end up being anything, but like, dude, like that's fucking crazy. Like, you didn't want Ennis on your team anyway, and you are able to somehow get swap rights to Philly's 2021 first round pick, like. God, I mean that could end up being like the difference of like ten to fucking even, maybe even more spots. Like that's crazy. Like are you like come on? You gotta be as flabbergasted about that as I am.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that just shows you who's the better GM and one of the best GMs in yes. the league. I mean, I know you didn't have him on your top three, but you gotta look at really the season when was able to do. He got his team under the cap. He just stole that, yep. I guess. I mean, that's a huge steal. So he's always just yeah. one of the best. And my biggest thing is he had a release house at the beginning of this year. No team picked him up. And he was able to pick him back up <laughs> yeah. in the end after all, everything went through and and on, all 29. And look at this guy. He, he is really good. Like, he could be serviceable yeah. for a lot of teams. And no team picked him yeah. up. And, and Moris like, well, I like my guys, and I just had to give them up because, you know, cap things, and I just, I didn't want to have to do it, but it's just like, I don't know how a lot of, like, bad teams that are just run terribly just don't try to steal everything that he does, and it's like, well, yeah. I mean, if, if he's from that, ta- it's like, coming from the Spurs talent pool, you know, it's like, if they're, they're coming from that talent pool, then maybe we should get them, because, you know, their they're head, their GMs make smart decision, and they're scouting and everything is really good, so that's what also just yeah. to me. But I mean, that's crazy. You got swap rights. Wow, dude, Elton, dude, he's gonna yeah. be gone before that even happens. Dude, I'm worried. Nah, like I am fucking worried, man. Because like,
0: yeah, there's, there's just so much up in the air right now for Philly. Um, but uh, but yeah, that I was I was really oh. taken aback when I saw that. I was just like, I, that makes no fucking sense. That I don't. I don't understand it, and I, I don't understand how no one has talked about this. Um, like, I, I maybe some, like, local Philly stations or something have talked, but it has not been in the national um, spotlight at all. I haven't heard it mentioned one time. And to me, like, that's a big fucking deal. Like, that's a big fucking deal. Um, but, yeah, um, anyway. Uh, and, yeah, as far as, like, top three jams, he, he's – He's probably, like, my number one GM just as far as, like, who I would want. Um, I just mean, like, for the season, you know. Um, but he he has ended up doing a lot this season, a lot of little things this season um, to put his team in a really good position this year and moving forward next year. You know, avoiding the luxury tax this year um, kind of helps them tremendously uh, in the off season and getting off any of the, all of the long-term contracts that they were under um, also helps them out tremendously um, because it, it may provide them a way to use the mid-level exception and not have to use the luxury tax exception. And it, that may make the difference between getting a difference maker um, in your starting organization versus, you know, somebody who's maybe not what we would call a difference maker. Um, so that extra 3 or $4 million could end up, you know, paying off a lot. Uh, but anyway, um, let's move on. All right, uh, Toronto versus Orlando. Uh, Orlando was able to miraculously pull out game one. It was a fucking terrific game. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, never felt like they were going to win another game in this series. They're just so outplayed. Vucevic has no way to get anything done against this team. <laughs> like – He just cannot be productive, uh, and he's your best player, so you're relying on guys like D.J. Augustine, Terrence Ross, um, Evan Fournier uh, to, like, really step up, and and you're just not getting enough out of those guys, you know, together on a game-to-game basis to be able to to keep up with a team that's just stacked with talent like Toronto. Um, And Kawhi has just looked really fucking good, and Lowry, you know, Hasn't you know <laughs> laid an egg uh, since game one. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, it, it, look, Toronto loses game one. That's what they do. Uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. No one should have overreacted to it if they did, and I certainly didn't. Um, but hey, I thought Orlando was gonna get one, um, and they did. Uh, so good for them. I'm glad they got one. Uh, your thoughts?
1: No, yeah, I mean, I didn't think they would get one. I mean, I just – I I did give up on him, but I'm kind of back on the Lowry because he's, he's proved to me the last couple of games. And right now he's, he's in double-digit points for his – I think he's only one right now for the Raptors. So he's definitely – but him just getting zero points is just terrible. I mean, you're going to lose every single time, no matter what team I think they're playing, when you're second-best players getting – zero points and DJ Augustine's having the craziest game of his life. I mean, I was just like, what is going on right now? But, um, I, I I think you kind of just like you, you undersold like Kawhi Leonard is just so good right now. I mean, it's fun to, uh, like you, like you said, he's, he's just playing out of his fucking mind. I mean, we haven't seen this since the Spurs series a couple of years ago. I mean, he was doing it against Golden State, and then he finally got injured. But it's just, I I forgot like how easy he can get his bucket and how far his shots are. Yeah. He's a really, really good shooter. Like he's just deadly all around. He's mid range, he can pull up on you. He'll hit a three, he does not mind driving. He just he's got it all. He's and it's just it's crazy just to see like just how well he's doing him. But uh, I mean. I didn't. I, I thought they were just gonna clean sweep this, just 'cause like we said. I mean, when your best player is not gonna be able to do anything, and you're relying on Augustine and Ross and and you know your second tier players, I just don't think it's gonna match up against a Toronto team that's just stacked right now. And Siakam looks like he's finally kind of figuring it out shading away. way. Uh, I know the uh, OGs uh injured, so that that kind of uh, like hurts them right there a little bit, but I, I don't think it'll yeah, come Powell's back to really hurt him. Yeah, Powell's been
0: playing much. fucking great, man. Powell's yeah. Been playing, he, like, really valuable minutes for him. That's surprising. You know, he got buried on that lineup the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, so they've just been playing good. And it's just... Orlando should be happy that they were able to sneak out a win, especially on the road. It would have been cool if they, it was for their fans, but winning on the road, especially game one and all that, that's just fun. You know, you can... But in the end, it's just one of those teams where you you should be happy. You got the one win, but you're definitely losing tonight, and it's over. Yeah, yep, exactly. All right, moving on,
0: Philly and Brooklyn. Um, so, obviously, kind of similar, uh, very much paralleled to this uh, Toronto-Orlando matchup. Um, Brooklyn got, you know, a, a very nice Game 1 win. Uh, Philly came back and stomped them, you know, in in games two and then three, even game three without Joel indeed. Um and then game four, um, dude. Like we got to talk about, I guess, the elephant in the room here because I want to get your opinion on this. Um, we're obviously both biased in, in slightly different directions, um, but I did did not like the ejections. I thought. You could maybe make an argument for ejecting Dudley for a being the instigator and having kind of two um, two incidents within the the whole incident. You know, obviously um, shoving Embiid, and then also like bear hugging and dragging Ben Simmons into the crowd. Um, I still I still feel like that should have been a technical on Dudley, a technical on. Um, uh, on Butler for for him uh, reacting and then play on, um, and uh, I don't think that was a flagrant. I think I think essentially it, it felt almost it, it's so weird. It kind of felt like a, a makeup call for Embiid's for the call that they missed earlier in the series. I think it was in game two with the elbow um, to Jared Allen. Um, but like as far as explicitly on this play, like dude, A, that was not a flagrant foul. He was totally going for the ball. It was a solid foul. Um, Now, I could see how Dudley, like, looked at it, you know, from his perspective, and it totally was a smart move on his part to be an instigator and to try and, you know, get other players on Philly to react. Um, Ultimately, it backfired, and Philly was able to – hit some clutch buckets down the stretch. Reddick, who struggled all fucking game, it was so hard to watch him because if he's not hitting shots, he is just fucking worthless because um, he cannot play defense. Um, big fucking shot down the stretch of that game to help them get the lead, uh, and then Mike Scott was able to hit that corner three, um, you know, to, to put him up by two, um, and then they, you know, inevitably went on to win it by four, I believe. Um but what were your thoughts? Just your overall thoughts on the series and then I wanna get your specific thoughts on the dust up uh in
1: game four. No, I mean, um I'm kinda disappointed in this series. Uh Brooklyn's had a lot of chances to make it interesting. Um Carousel Bird has been playing out of his mind. They should do way He's more Karis LeVert. I don't under Yeah. I don't understand why they aren't doing more Karis LeVert, but you know, there's just sometimes the coaches, I mean, I understand you got Dinwiddie and Russell, but they just, uh, I mean, they've been doing all right. It's just they haven't been doing what they've been able to do all season, but there's plenty of opportunities for them to especially tie up the series and go back 2-2 and all that and not be down 3-1. Um, the whole Dinwiddie thing, I agree with you. Like, Dinwiddie had to do it. it was It was the game before where it was game three where, he, um, Embiid elbowed Allen and then he gave him this half ass apology, which is like the worst thing to do. So, <laughs> yeah, it was. If, I, I'm, if I'm Dudley, you know, I've already kind of like built my, you know, my grave with uh, what I said about Ben Simmons earlier, uh, with the 76ers. Yep. So, I might as well. I'm the vet. And it was, it was another kind of cheap move, uh, by Embiid. I mean, like uh, you were saying, you know, it was, but I mean, I, if I'm Dudley, I gotta, I gotta stand up for our team. And I don't think that was at all throwing out worthy. I mean, he didn't push. If he got thrown out for what he did in B. Like you said, he what he did with Ben Simmons might have looked a little bit worse, but I, I still don't think that was worthy. I mean, Butler, no, Butler's just, I, I don't know. The whole thing, no one should have got thrown out. I don't understand how Butler no. got him. I mean, it's just Butler's just head he's going to somehow figure out a way to get himself in, instigated into it and get thrown out. But
0: I didn't
1: really, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He, he just, so he needs to be up there, but I didn't really see the reason to throw out Dudley. I mean, it wasn't that much like of a dangerous, like shove, like we're all that. I mean, it just, it's, it's funny how far the game's come along with uh trying to protect the players. uh Like, you know, and, and make sure cheap shots like that. But I, it was, I don't think they should have thrown him out and all that. It should have just been a technical and then, you know, play on. But it, yeah. um, I it backfired. It backfired on the net. So then the Nets stopped doing the, what was working for them. And some of their players just aren't able to sustain, you know, playing how they've been all year. And uh, like Carroll, DeMar Carroll's not been that great. He's been kind of iffy. Right. Um, Harris. Harris has been a fucking gross. Awesome. Yeah, just. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's only made a three-pointer in game one, and he's gone over for the rest of the yep. game. He's only made three threes yep. in the first yeah. game. So just terrible. And the only players that are really doing it, I mean, Russell and Dimitri, uh, they're not having a bad series. They're just not having, like, you know, what they've been doing in the race. But LaVert has been killing I think it has like been another... having a quietly really good series.
0: He's been a fucking – he's been a problem. Russell – Russell – and here's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, he's very effective um, at his little uh, pick and roll mid game shots, um, but he doesn't get to the line. Um, and when he's not hitting those shots, he's not effective. And if Brett Brown was, like, actually fucking like, smart, I, I hate to say that. I don't like shitting on Brett Brown because I actually like him a lot. Um, but I just don't understand why you're not going small. I've said that to you twice already now in this series. Look, I know you don't have a lot of depth on the wing. I get that. But, like, they are picking you apart when you're playing Boban or, you know, Amir Johnson or uh, not Amir Johnson. What's the other fucking guy? Greg Monroe. Um, that, shit, that just shit has not been effective. Um, when they actually did go small at the tail end of game three, um, they closed out the game with that lineup and just never looked back. And I was like, yes, like, learn from that. When, like, you don't go small to get away from Embiid because Embiid's a fucking monster, and I get it. You you live with – if they can make him less effective defensively in certain spots, it's okay. But, like, with Boban, man, like, yeah, he had a really good game three. He was hitting those – those shots up, you know, near the top of the key, beyond the foul line. Like, I get that. But, like, dude, you, I just feel like you'd be so much more effective uh, with, you know, Mike Scott at the five. Now, obviously, with Butler getting ousted in this most recent game, they didn't really have that as an option. Like, there wasn't – they're already lacking depth on the wing um, in the backcourt to be able to do that. But, like, I definitely – tonight, I really hope – if either Embiid's not playing or if um, or when Embiid is not on the court like I want to see the Simmons, Redick, um, Butler, Tobias, Mike Scott lineup um, because that's just going to be so much more effective you know being able to guard those those little pick and pops pick and rolls uh, that they that Brooklyn implements and I just don't it for, like, the same reason, like, that I look at um, the Nets, and I'm like, like, how, why did it take you this long to put LaVert in the starting lineup? Like, um, I look at Philly, and I'm just like, how is it taking you this long to figure out that you can play small? Like, dude, and, and you know, like, I know that fucking, um, like, playing Zaire Smith is probably not ideal. Playing Korkma is probably not ideal. But I'd rather have them active then Amir Johnson, like that dude's been washed for three fucking years. Like, I, 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 those things I definitely don't get. I want to see them play Mike Scott at the five more. Um, I, I just think, it, especially against when when Brooklyn goes small and and you don't have them beat out there to be able to take advantage of that, then just match them because you have the talent. Don't try to give them any sort of advantage. You don't have to outcoach them. You just have to put the talent. Out there and let those guys go get it. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand sticking with Boban. I don't understand the the commitment to sticking with a fucking big guy uh, when they're playing a six foot eight guy at the center position. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I understand completely. I mean, and Boban just—he's had that one game, but he's been just terrible, just just terrible out there for them. And yeah, he's a twelve-minute game uh, guy. Yeah, it, at at most, but I just think um, you're higher on Brown, but I don't think he's the best coach. That's why. No, 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 no. Um, I'm
0: not. I, I'm not like high on Brown at all. I just, I like the guy. Like, I, like, and that's why, you know, that's why ultimately, like, I don't like shitting on him because I really like him as a person. He seems like a very fucking awesome human being. But like, I, like, I'm not. <laughs> like I've I watched game to game and I'm just like flabbergasted at the things that he does and doesn't do and I'm just like man like I know you're you're limited right now um and and I do think he's in a hard spot because I do think pairing Simmons and Embiid is not easy It's fucking really hard actually to make those to maximize both of those guys skill sets together it is really fucking hard. Because Ben Simmons wants to get out and run, 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 run. Joel Embiid wants to fucking get the ball in the post and fucking dominate in half-court offense. And to make those work is very, very fucking difficult. So I know he's got a hard job. And, but I could give him a pass on those things because they are so hard. But little things like, hey, like we're, we're kind of getting torched on this like pick-and-roll situation because Bovine can't get out there and get a hand up. Uh, on these shooters, uh, w- you know, when, when they set screens for him, maybe we should put in Mike Scott, who's quicker on his feet. Like, things like that, you know, that's what drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting what happens next year is when, you know, you're playing a team that's a lot more, has a lot more depth and can run a lot more crazy lineups than you. And if you're not going to match them, they might be able to exploit you big time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, so with that predictions, Toronto, Philly. Um, who do you got, and and how many games for round two?
1: Um, it stinks because I I want to keep on like, heading my decision all on Embiid's health. But I think regardless of Embiid's health, even if he's healthy, um, I don't think. Sixers are going to be able to do it, and uh I think it'll go seven, but Toronto's going to win it in seven, just because I mm-hmm. think they they have a lot more mismatches that they can do in the front court, just um what you could run I mean I would even test i mean if Embiid's not out there and you want to throw a bobon I mean I'd possibly test Siakam at the five and really just run no, a yeah. small and Leonard at the four, and let's just run with this thing and, and have, like, Green and Lowry and then um, what's-his-face, um, Powell? Oh, man. Yeah, either Powell or like, as the two. So, I think you could definitely – I just – I like what Toronto is able to throw out there while you know what the Sixers have. They're going to – they don't have the their shooting like they did last year, so I think that's going to come back. I mean, Mike Scott's been playing great, but – if JJ Reddick's been hit or miss and he's still being hit or miss, he's kind of, there's some times where he just kind of disappears out there and it's kind of sad because I think Sixers have always kind of, when they played really good, it's been how well Reddick's able to put his influence on the game, but
0: hey, so many people,
1: yes, yeah, but so many people now on their team, it's just everyone needs to get their shot. So I don't know. it's, um it's interesting, but I think, um, the, just Toronto, just having a complete team and all that. They'll they'll, they'll make it a series of Sixers, just because uh, you know they've they've got the talent. But Toronto's going to take it in seven.
0: Yeah, I got Toronto in six. Um, I I hope not. Like I hope I'm wrong here. Um, it, you know, but I I feel like a Toronto's gotten got the better team. They've got more depth. Um, Kawhi is. Going to be great. It's going to be really fun to watch Kawhi uh, and Jimmy Butler go at it. Like that's going to be something that I'm going to very much enjoy watching. Um, They they don't really have an answer for Siakam. My guess would be kind of try to throw Ben Simmons on him. You could play Tobias on him, but Tobias Tobias is a big body, but he's not really a good defender. Um, Like. The matchups concern me. Um, the the coaching obviously concerns me. Nick Nurse is a first-year coach, but he has been with those guys for a long time since they hired in-house, um, and I've just thought throughout the season his, um, his ability to um, shuffle and change things on the fly um, throughout the season, you know, with varying uh, like varying up the lineup depending on matchups and different things like that, I think that's going to be probably the biggest thing because I don't... I You know, I think as far as talent, um, like, even though, you know, I, I feel like given Embiid's health, uh, I feel like Kawhi is the best player on the court. I feel like you can make an argument for Embiid if he's 100% healthy. Um, but, you know, I do feel like Kawhi is that um, with this series. Um, But, like, I mean, you look at everybody else in that pecking order. I mean, you look at two, three, four. um, I mean, the Sixers definitely, I mean, I feel like they're better. I mean, I'm not even sure who Toronto's second-best guy is, honestly. I mean, probably Siakam. Um, But, you know, I mean, I definitely feel like whether you think Jimmy or Ben Simmons is the second best player on the Sixers. I, I'm more inclined to think it's Jimmy Butler, um, and I've been saying that all season. Um, but I think both those guys are probably as good as Pascal Siakam, um, and Jimmy's better in my opinion. Um, and you know, then then you got Simmons and Lowry. Simmons definitely better to me. Uh, and then you got Tobias and I don't know Danny Green or. Um, Serge Ibaka, Gasol, like, um, you know, I, I feel like Philly's got two through four, and they're better. Um, but I, I think Toronto's better at the top, and I think after four, um, you know, I like Reddick a lot, but Danny Green, I think, can definitely guard him. Um, you may even – actually, I would probably even put Van Lee on him just because Redick is so speedy. And likes to run around the court and maybe you preserve Danny Green a little bit and you let um a guy like Van Vliet who's a little bit younger follow him. Um but uh yeah, it's gonna be tough, man. I, I like I really, really wanna pick the Sixers for this one. Um but I just I feel like Toronto's just got the better all over team. I think they got better coaching, um, not so stuck in their way of doing, constantly doing the same thing, um, and I think that's going to end up paying off for them. And I don't, I don't look at this as a thing where, um, I like, I don't think Toronto is going to have any trouble winning in Philadelphia. Um, so I, I'm going to assume that Philly gets a couple in there, probably, probably wins Game One, um, knowing Toronto, um, and then you know wins one at home. Um, but I, I think Toronto's gonna get the best of them. Cross my fingers. Hope I'm wrong. Um, but all right, let's uh, let's move on to our final two matchups. Um, Portland, OKC. Uh, OKC. They they it, it's weird, man. They looked it looked like in game one. It was like, well, this this level of shooting, of of terrible shooting, is not sustainable. They're they're not gonna shoot this bad. Um, And then in their game three win, it was like, well, shit, you barely won, and you made, what, 15 of 29? Like, this level of shooting, this level of good shooting is is not sustainable. Um, This has been a really funny series. Um, I'm a little surprised, uh, though maybe in hindsight I should have hedged my bets a little better um, simply because, they don't have they don't have the matchups that the pelicans had last year um particularly drew holiday um, the, you know they they don't really have depth um i think terry stotts is probably a little bit better of a coach um not you know hugely but a little bit better um than billy donovan and you know i, I dame dame and cj have just been fucking great <laughs> like i mean that's what it comes down to Dame has had two really big three-quarters on the road. Um, he's been clutch. He's been hitting fucking shots from 30-plus feet out. And CJ has just been, like, really fucking good, like, when Dame is not. Like, when when Dame's not really doing stuff, it's CJ who's coming off these, these screens, hitting threes, getting into the lane, making really tough mid-range jumpers. Um, he's been fucking great. And then it seems like every game they have one other dude who steps up. In game four, it was um, it was uh, definitely Al Farouk obviously in his canter. In game one, um, and then uh, I don't really remember who it was in game two, but I feel like Mo Harkless had a good game somewhere in there. Um, like that, you know, if they can get one guy to step up and game, and CJ can both get theirs and play that well, um, I mean that's that's what's put them in this very advantageous spot for the series, and in my opinion, probably insurmountable um, for OKC at this point. Um, I, I don't have really any faith that they can win three in a row against this team given what we've seen so far. Um, kind of bummed out because I was, I was really hoping to, to see um, Westbrook and Paul George
1: make it to the second round this year. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I definitely didn't see this. I mean, there's a couple things that I've like, taken away from this whole thing. First off is, Russell Westbrook, you think you would back up your your shit talk that you've always had on Dave <laughs> Willard in a playoff series where the, it all comes down and this guy's has just been lighting you up, dude. He does not fear you defensively at all. He's shooting all day in your face. He's hitting those crazy threes, like you're saying from deep, and it's just not just one; it's two, and they're daggers sometimes. And it's just like all the like all the little things you think he'd play just a little bit more like aggressive. I mean, last game he just he kind of just made himself disappear in the second half. I mean, he went zero for yeah. seven, but then towards the end of the game, he was definitely just trying to divert anything to another player and all that. Yeah, and, the way Steven Adams is just completely declined in his game aggressively. this series, you're just like, what in the Mm -hmm. world? It's just really hurt them. And Paul George, I do think his injury is going to be a little bit more than what we've heard. But I mean, he hasn't looked that bad, but it's just like, if those are your top three and all that, and none of them have been really good and and people like Ennis Cantor are having a good game when you could really exploit the hell out of that. I mean, I don't know why. I think Billy Donovan's gonna get fired cause, if you ask me, because if that's one thing, it's the Thunder where they're gonna go three to. straight years, you gotta fire him. He hasn't proved anything. But what I don't understand is Stephen Adams is this obvious on how bad he's like just like just declined really quick. I think he just you know his style of game has just finally caught up to him and all that. Why aren't you running a crazy small lineup with Nerlens Noel at the five? Because I feel like that might be better right. for you right now and, and match because, I mean, there's no reason Kenner should be having big games against you and all that. But um, I just don't know where OKC goes from here. It's very hard what they're able to do. Um, like I said, I think what the only thing that you're going to be able to do is fire Billy Donovan, but I think that might be better just because, but I, and just get back to being healthy because I mean, you can't really trade anyone. I mean, Stephen Adams isn't really worth it, and that contract's terrible. Like goes up to twenty-seven no million trained. in yeah, two no years, and it's Adams. just like no one's no one's buying, no one's going to pay for that money. So no. it's really tough because I really thought this was the Thunder's year. Like early, like probably three-fourths of the way done with the season, they're playing great team basketball yeah. defensively and all that, and I just feel like it's a bummer. For Westbrook and Paul George, but it's like, you can't split up those two right now. So it's just like, what can OKC do from here? It's another three years in a row, one year out. I mean, I I can't really, you know, I, I got to give props to what Portland's been able to do, especially after that big injury Um, to like what, what their team like, has been playing like, but man, Dane, d- dude, he is just on another level. I mean, he right now might have um, surpassed me on um, being a better point guard than even Kyrie in the – the Oh, yeah, I've been I mean, on that put, train for a while. If, if you put Harden, even though I don't really like putting Harden at the point guard, even though we technically does play point guard, but if you they, really – They, they like basically run a good, dual point guard system. Yeah. Yeah, If you but the, so if you're going to put Harden, the only two better point guards in the league is Steph and Harden. I mean, James just right. definitely just showed me – he he's got it, man. I mean, he's had it for a while, but this series is just showing me like, hey, I forget forget everything that you saw last year with us. I'm gonna put this team on my back, and when they really need me to show out, I'll show out for them. I'll have a big third quarter for them, he, and and like you said, the CJ's been playing really good. So I'm happy for Portland because you know Portland does kind of have a, a brighter future if you look at it than OKC right now because you've lost your center who was having a great year this year and all that so you can definitely replace him whatever happens to you this series but I feel like right now I mean Portland out of all the teams could be in the benefit of sneaking past OKC and then possibly making the Western Conference Finals out of the um, you know it's whoever they end up playing out of yeah and it's a big turnaround so as a, you know there there's a lot more to look forward to even though it was vice versa at the beginning of this year. It's like what can Portland do if they're not that great this year, you know? They've set a lot of money in Dame, McCullen and and all that, and it's just like what now it's just like now they should stick with this group because I don't know, man, Damian Lillard's just he's he's really freaking good, dude. He he just he he can get his buckets when he wants when he wants.
0: Yeah, see I kinda wonder and I don't know what what The kind of package you could really put together but do you think you could put together a package around CJ McCollum picks um and and different things for Anthony Davis like would you try to do that and and then try to convince Davis to stay um I, I just feel like if you're Anthony Davis and you get to play with Damian Lillard like not not a whole lot of options that are going to be better than that especially with teams that actually have the cap space for you um Man, you probably don't do that if you're Portland just because I feel like both, you know, both guys are so tight and they, you know, they, they want to play, they want to be there seemingly. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would at least entertain it, you know?
1: I would entertain it, but um, I don't know. I feel like they could do uh, – because I, I just don't think that Davis – they are um, just wouldn't really mesh really well just in the end um, – just being that big just and all that. I just don't see it like fitting as well as, you know, Damon and CJ being able to play together. I think they could maybe go out and you know, you don't have to get another superstar, but get a like a a valuable wing player to play with them or like a a small trade sport, for Robert power Covington. Type of Robert <laughs> Yeah, like you know, you could make that other one and still have your team around your offense definitely going around Damon, and CJ, and I think that might be the better choice. But,
0: I mean, they could definitely entertain yeah. it. I mean,
1: I guess. They, they could put a strong package if I'm, if I'm New Orleans. It depends on what I want to do. But getting back CJ McCollum could be, you know, one of the higher, better players that you could get in any trade package. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think realistically that is probably one of the better players that you're going to get back. So, if you want – if you want to remain competitive, like yeah, I mean, I, I I would be down with having a backcourt of Drew and CJ, and then some some valuable assets to go with that. I mean, the thing is, New Orleans not in in such a terrible spot. They have Drew Holiday for two at least two more seasons and a third year, um, uh, player option uh, at a at a pretty reasonable contract. And the only long term money that they have other than that um, is. Uh, or they don't really. I guess I should say they have Hill and each one more on the books next season, and this is of course not including Anthony Davis. Um, but like they they have like cap space and can make moves. Um, both this off season and next off season. Um, I, if I was them, I definitely wouldn't sink a bunch of money into Julius Randall. I I don't think that would be smart. Um, I would honestly be looking to get. Um, see if I could get a package around, um, you know, essentially a solid player to pair with Holiday and then as many assets on the margins as I could get. Um, And, you know, if you want to remain competitive, um, which I think they do. Um, now, if, if you don't, if you're down with the tank, then you can obviously ship out both those guys and go a different direction. But um, I don't think that's going to be what they want to do. Um, but time will tell. All right, one last series, and we got to wrap this up. Uh, Denver, San Antonio. Um, obviously, we're not really going to be able to give a prediction for um, the, the series coming up between one of these four teams because this series is still very much up in the air. Um, definitely the best series of this first round. Um, Denver, San Antonio—it's it, been back and forth, man. Like um, obviously, uh, Denver was you know able, uh, or excuse me, San Antonio was able to get out um, on top uh, in Game One. Uh, Denver fights back uh, to win Game Two. Uh, San Antonio was able to get Game Three, and then Denver fights back to win Game Four. Um, this has been a very back and forth series. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know who to pick in this one. And I think this bears out because both of us were like, man, I don't know who to pick in this one when we were levying our predictions. I think I said, I want to say, I said Denver in seven. I think you may have said the same thing that you may have had San Antonio. I can't remember actually. Um, but so this is definitely coming down to the wire, kind of like what we expected. Um how do you see the rest of this series playing out um and you know what what do you like as far as um I well I'll say this I really like the fi- the fact that Mike Malone um has made, seemingly made quick quicker decisions than some others have um he probably waited a little too long to to um mess with with the whole Barton thing um but I, I mean, putting Torrey Craig in, in in that game four ended up being huge for them. I, I really liked that move. Um, ended up working out in their favor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still I like Denver in seven. Um, but if San Antonio can win tonight on the road and they're going back playing game six uh, at home, Fuck man, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that Denver could could win in San Antonio in what could be a closeout game. So maybe a lot of this just hedges on what happens uh, in in the game tonight. What are your thoughts?
1: No, yeah, I'm completely sold on this series is down to this um, this game big time. It's like it's like that you just said. I mean. Um, if San Antonio wins, Denver's not going to be able to go into San Antonio. That's a very hard place to play in. And, and just everything. I think Denver kind of blew their ch- – I mean, it's not Denver – I mean, not Denver. Uh, San Antonio, but not San Antonio as well. DeRozan blew that for them. They could have definitely gone a 3-1. What the hell are you getting tossed for, man? I mean, seriously, I, I, I dude, I, I completely agree with Poppy being completely furious with them. I mean, you should not be getting tossed out of the game. Um, you definitely could have taken this one, like control the series and all that, and had a good chance to win in six. Now I definitely, I think it's all pending on tonight. I still think it will go seven, but I think it might go Demers' way. Um, I like, like you were saying, um, Mike Malone's made the right choice. And not only with last game, with finally going away from Will Barton because he's been terrible, but mm-hmm. he's finally, he's sitting him. He's not even playing him in the starting. So Craig, Craig's yeah. actually in the starting lineup. So, I like that a lot.
0: They'll get that bench roll. Yeah. Um, yeah and and so. the way
1: they rotated defensively, um,
0: essentially uh, putting uh, Gary Harris on Derek White, um, that seems to have been a very smart move. I know you like Harris a lot as a defender. Um, White looked great early in this series. And then, you know, Harris was kind of able to um, shut him down um, you know, in, in game four, I think that will be an interesting thing to monitor as well tonight in game
1: five. No, yeah, I definitely look forward to that matchup. Um, I, it was too much Derek White relying on him and I didn't really think, I mean, yeah, he did have that one big game. I think it was game two and all that, but he's kind of, he's been like a Jamal Murray. They both have been kind of um more modest for their team because it's a lot of like, you know, you're going by them, you're kind of dying by them. And, but I feel like right now, um, what they've been able to do in putting Gary Harris on White, I think it's definitely going to slow him down and take out that Spurs X factor that they had on them. So I think that's going to come come to like help uh, Denver out in the end to sneaking out this series win with a uh, – because like you said, I mean, I, I'm high on Harris as a two-way player. I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but I think he can definitely stop Derek White because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jared had, I mean, he's 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 had a good series and all that, but he's not that player where he's getting thirty points. You know, I don't see coming out of a multiple games in a playoff series. So he got his one, but I definitely think now with Harris in the lineup, what you going with Tony Craig? uh, You know, the play on DeRozan, and now you switch Harris on to White. That's going to help out Denver big time, and it's also the big big X factor on Denver's behalf is how old Jamal Murray can play. I mean, what are you getting out of it? Right. Because obviously he's your second, he's your second option. The way that your team plays and all that. And if he's just having a hit or miss thing and it, it all depends. So like you said, um, I'm completely eyes on in this game tonight. Um, Whoever wins, it's going to win the series, but if the Spurs win it, I think they'll shorten it. But even if Denver wins it, I still think the Spurs, just the way that the fans are and, Being able to play at home, they'll definitely win game seven, but end up losing it. I mean, win game six, but end up losing game seven on the road to Denver. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, if I were to bet, that's how I would bet that it would, it would turn out. Um, but hey, man, Pop, gotta give it up to Pop. I mean, yeah, you know, he's gonna come back. Um, with some kind of variation, some kind of trick up his sleeve to counteract uh, what Malone did in Game 4. So, yeah, it could just be one of those situations where Pop is just kind of constantly uh, one move ahead of Malone. Um, and I could even – honestly, I could see it being a situation where they win tonight, Malone makes an adjustment and wins and then gets them to go back home for a game seven, and then Pops just like, yeah, but I've got the last adjustment up my sleeve and you don't know what's coming. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be – I don't think it will play out that way, but I think it, there is there is a less than zero chance that it could. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, man, um, it's playoffs, man fucking great time of the year these series have been terrific uh speaking of these series uh i'm been enjoying watching uh philly uh kick the shit out of uh brooklyn uh in this first quarter and uh so now i'm gonna go sit down and watch it uh with the sound on uh but hey luke thanks for joining me man and uh as always great show brother Hi, thanks for having me yeah man for sure uh All y'all, be sure to tune in. Uh, We have Wrestling Geeks Alliance tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Dane Alves and Chris Patton will be breaking down all the latest news there, Um, as well as we will be uh, back with another episode of Geek Vibes Live this weekend. So be sure to tune in to that this Sunday at 8 o'clock. And keep an eye out for all of our other great shows, Uh, Top 10 Geeks Against the Grain Uh, And be sure to go check out our latest episode of Seven Hells, our Game of Thrones breakdown that aired last night, Uh, Dane Alves, myself, and my dear friend uh, Rhea, who actually got me into Game of Thrones, uh, took a deep dive uh, into episode two and broke down all of the glorious moments within that episode. Um, So that's up now. You can check that out wherever you listen to your podcast. So, yeah, check out all that great content. And until next time, we'll see you then. Peace.